0: back.
1: i <laughs> one. not I'm not
0: dead! What? Nothing. Here's your ninepence. I'm not dead! Yeah. He says he's not dead. Yes, he is. I'm not! He isn't? Well, he will be soon. He's very ill. I'm getting better! Nothing is over until we decide it is! Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Germans?
2: Forget it, he's rolling.
0: And it ain't over now! Because when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Who's with me? Let's go. Come on. Ah!
1: This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Football bloody hell, I think is what they say. How, how does anybody survive as a football supporter? How do, how do you do it? How do you do it? I mean, we were certain it was over. Now we're certain it's back on. I'm sure we will be certain of several other things um, as the weeks and months roll on. But I am certain that we just experienced one of the great football days in club history, and it may lead to greater days ahead. Um, If you could ask me how I'd want to beat Aston Villa, a 94th-minute screamer, that goes in off of Emmy Martinez's head is certainly, certainly up there as an option. And then to watch Manchester City drop points to Nottingham Forest in the way they did, just a stunning thing, except it's not stunning. Because on the instant reaction, Paul said, and I quote, When it was at 1-0, at 1-0, could see this being a little weird, 80-85th minute, sometime around there, Nottingham Forest, get one, make it 1-1. 84th minute, they tied it up 1-1 and got the draw. So if you need the lottery numbers, Paul is your man. I will tell you that we are going to have a lot of fun with this. We'll obviously dive into the tactical components of it like we always do. Maybe we'll take the piss a little bit because that's part of the fun. But we are top of the league. Say we are top of the league once again, rightfully so. And I cannot even begin to imagine how this is going to lift a, a group that needed lifting? Let's say it needed lifting, and I, I think it is just fitting that the winning goal is scored essentially not just by Emmy Martinez's head, but by the one signing we united as a fan base in supporting the one that we were we were all unified in our agreement that it was the one that was going to put us over the edge. So we'll talk about that much more with Paul. You can find me on Twitter at my pants woo woohoo! Do you have the lottery numbers for us? I do not. That was my one-off.
2: All other predictions are- You greedy bastard.
1: You're going to keep the lottery numbers to yourself? You can't split it among the tens of thousands of us listening (laughs) right now? Come on, I don't believe in gambling, Elliot. Mm. Um, And uh, Tim's on Twitter. (laughs) Tim's on Twitter, at Stillmanator. Uh, Hello, Tim. Hello there. Yeah, and uh, we do want to send our love to Clive. Not here now. Was on the instant reaction. Uh, Did a a, a brilliant job with that. We'll be back with uh, a second-half rewatch of the match this week, and plenty more- to go along with that, so um, yeah, we certainly wish Clive the best at the moment now, I think, Tim, I kind of want to start just with the joy of it. I, I will get yeah. into the the how it played out, and Tressard starting, and you know, what was wrong in the first half, what was right, the second half, but like, I just want to get into all the little nooks and crannies of of arteta. Making fun of the referee and the <laughs> celebrations and you were in the away end. So on the joy scale, and you've you've experienced a lot of joy in the away end. Mm. How high up is this? And when and why did it feel as massive as it did?
3: Yeah, it, it was very, very high up. I mean, just on a on a personal um point as well, I I went with my wife. It was the first time we'd been able to go to a game together since our daughter was born. Um we managed to Saw leave home. Yeah yeah uh, I've got a sister who lives um near Villa Park so we left we left our daughter with her for the afternoon um and and we went together and so that was that was all very nice it didn't feel like it was going to be nice for a little while um but yeah and the, one of the other things about Villa Park in particular they moved the away end there about 15 years ago it used to be so the the goal where we scored the winner it used to be behind that goal but they moved mm-hmm. us off to the side about 15 years ago and one of the the kind of great things about it is that like there's particularly in the lower tier, there's a proper bundle and usually people end up on the pitch um, and, and not just at Arsenal, like any team that wins at Villa, that that happens. Players run over to that corner and there's like there's just a massive, massive pile on. so yeah. um, there, there, and, and obviously that happened um, in abundance on this occasion. But I just think there were so many ingredients like... You know, being in a funk, having a really bad first half, going behind twice and everyone sitting there going. Do you know what? It it reminded me of so many games. It reminded me quite a lot. There was a game when we won the league in two thousand two. We went to Everton and Sylvain Wiltor scored the winner with the most hilariously miss hit volley in the world. <laughs> and and I just remember the the limbs, as the kids say, uh, after that went in. And and but do you know what it, it kind of reminded I, I I don't think it's quite this significant, but it reminded me a lot of that Liverpool game in the unbeaten season where half time, two one down, we've gone 1-0 down and we equalize and you think ah oh, here we go and then we go 2-1 down and it's 2-1 at half time and we're in a funk and you're talking to everyone at half time and everyone's going this could be freefall like
1: mm-hmm. we,
3: we can't even draw here like even, even a draw is not really enough to like we need to kill the bad feeling that's what we need to do here we don't just need the points we're we're heading towards Slump Town and we need we need to make a very, very sharp like one eighty, like donut in the road to get off it. And so there were all those ingredients, all that relief that Erdegaard missed before the end, where you think, Oh my god, is that it? Is that gonna be it? Is that gonna be the moment where it it all fell away from us? And then the fact that it happens eventually in the ninety-fourth minute, the manner in which it happens going in off Emmy Martinez's head after all of his time wasting and stuff. It was all in front of us, it was all down our end. And just all of the ingredients were were just there and the joy of it. And look, I, I think I tweeted this afterwards. I think the manner of this is just as important as the points themselves because yep. it like Talk about killing the bad feeling. It killed the bad feeling. It was like, um, you know, like the, the clouds were gathering above us and we just mm-hmm. needed it to rain. And, you know, you know, when you just need that rain to clear the air and that's that's what it did, um, I think. And so I think, honestly, this is even better than if we had just gone to Villa, played reasonably well and won 2-0. I think we needed this adrenaline burst.
1: Yeah. Look, let's be clear about something. If you are trailing in the second half and you need to come back and win, there is only one man you can call on. And we were very fortunate to be able to call on him. And the fact that he was there for us on that day... I don't think it can be overstated. Unai Emery, thank you. Thank you for your ability to throw away leads in a second half, to find a way to be absolutely battered in the second half of games with a lead. It was like he was playing Watford, only instead of Watford, he was playing Arsenal. It's know? really
3: funny as well, how he, he complained about that afterwards, about they're wasting too much time. They sat back too much. And I was like, mm-hmm that's what your teams always do though so clearly something's not getting through but I, I just wanted to add a bit actually as well just just as a kind is it of, about
1: his vest cuz I, I we could do a whole episode about that i mean that,
3: that really reminded me of the the simpsons episode where mr burns has the gorilla chest and he sings that brilliant song <laughs> see my vest um but like we i think we got a corner just before the end and like I kind of right because you know the it was over at our side and I, I went to raise my hand just as a kind of come on and I realized I was shaking uncontrollably like that's how much of a release it was when we scored like the couple of minutes before we scored I was in I realized I was totally involuntarily shaking that's how I felt and I think that's how everyone else felt.
1: Yeah, I mean, I- incredible stuff, and and I also have to love. I-, I think it's a true quote. You see things on the internet that are apocryphal at times, and so I I I think this is right though. I think Emery basically said, "I have no idea where em- why Emmy Martinez went up for that corner. Like keepers never score from there does." <laughs> so I love that. Like Martinez, just totally playing for himself, right? Like just totally playing for himself. It goes in off the back of his head, and then he decides to go up for the corner when his manager doesn't want him to. I loved everything about it. I love Martinelli celebrating before the goal. I said this on the instant reaction, but I think it bears repeating. Let's rustle some people. Let's get some people massively rustled. Let's not be the friendly neighborhood arsenal who just wants everybody to like us because we're young and we're up and coming. Let's be the bastards. Let's be the villains. Let's be the ones who know we're
3: going to score. Yeah, go ahead. Even the data analysts, the nerds, the nerds We're were at it. (laughs) It was brilliant. That's brilliant. Like I want footage of that.
1: (laughs) uh, Let me explain. Apparently there was a falling out among the analysts, the team analysts in the, I guess, by the press box where they sit because the Arsenal uh, analysts were celebrating and they got into a scuffle with the Villa analysts. Um, As I understand it, pocket protectors were torn. It was it was gruesome scenes. But yeah, I want that. I don't know if you saw this. When Martinelli is sent free by Vieira, Vieira goes down on one knee and fist pumps and starts celebrating. And uh, <laughs> kudos to Paul for pointing this out. Uh, after Jorginho's goal goes in, Vieira and Martinelli go off and celebrate with just each other. When Martinelli scores, he swerves the whole team and just goes and finds Vieira like they're their little bromance going on. I love it. Um, and oh my gosh, the the, the like man the pile the
2: school trip. You know, there's way there's always a couple of. Uh, Kids who are like really into hanging out with each other and they're just having their own school trip together. They're just like the whole tail end of that game is Vieira and Martinelli having their little bromance. It's uh, yeah, it's
1: awesome. beautiful. I love Arteta doing the staying alive hand spin to mock the referee for the ball. Bo- <laughs> the ball wasn't stopped. The ball, and, and it's funny because I, fa- I was mocking the ref in my living room and, and then they cut to Mikel and he's mocking. And We're gonna have some great gifts of Mikel mocking referees this season. This one replaces the crossed arms chin to the sky kind of walk away one that he did earlier there there's just so many little moments like that and paul the the pile of humanity in the celebration one of my favorite moments in the pile of humanity from the Jorginho goal is saliba jumping on top of them with his tongue out the end but i think realizing oh i'm really quite big and heavy so he goes to jump on them but then kind of like makes sure he doesn't put all his weight on them because he's actually an enormous human being but is tell me if i'm leaning too much into narrative here it felt like the joy had gone out. Like some of the smiles weren't there, that, you know, the the huddles after goals, the roars after we go behind, the that the seriousness of, it had, seriousness of it had sunk in. And even though the team had done a great job saying we go one game at a time all season long, it stopped feeling to me like they were doing that. It felt to me like they knew they were in a title race and, and that weight was on them. And so to see yeah. the silly celebration and the exuberance and the joy, like... Am I leaning into narrative, or do you think they needed this not just obviously for the points, but because it might return a little of the lightness and joy that has been a hallmark of how we have taken it one game at a time, you know, throughout the whole season prior to this little slump?
2: Sure. I mean, like we thought the city game was basically game set match for the league if we won it. Now, I know it wasn't, and anything can happen, but but how would we have felt if we'd beat City? and got those three points and pushed further. And they went into that game obviously thinking it was kind of a sort of a final. It's not a final final, but like that, that just sets up your run in at that point. And and so they, of course they put everything into that. And that's why they looked crushed at the end. Tim talked about this, this bit when you, in, in general, when you lose, you've a tendency to lose separately. Like people go into their own little corners they blame themselves. They blame others. It's like you're trying to fix it so that never happens to you again. When you win, you win together. And so, yeah, we came out of that city game, look potentially looking a little fractured. Uh, the the bad thing was within 72 hours we had another game. The good thing was in 72 hours and 45 minutes we finally showed up for the start yeah. of second half. Arteta said uh, it was quite. He was on fire. I would say in the post match press. Uh, presser it's really quite interesting it's short but it's kind of bullet point after bullet point of little gems you just want to write down he starts off with it was a rolly coaster which i like hmm. um but he says at halftime we said uh we need to raise our game as individuals we need to look each other in the face we have to do much more okay uh, depending on how that's said that's either very stirring or rather bland and then he hmm. says you have to do it, and the moment is now. Now that's all very basic stuff. I could have said that, and they would have ignored me and thought, "Why doesn't he give them some tactical innovation, right, please, so, to some be stirring fair. words?" <laughs> yes, <laughs> but somehow Arteta is saying that that's the that's the thing he crystallized for him, and we di- really didn't kind of show up in the first half. It was tired, it was static, it was like, and in the second half. It was far from the minute go. They knew this was forty-five minutes to get their season back on track. And the end of it, you have Alan Shearer saying, like, we thought we'd lost the team, the supporters, we thought we'd lost the pundits. The pundits guys. <laughs> City haven't even played. And Shearer's well, maybe maybe it was after that. Shearer's saying, um, like, I think these guys will go on and win it. Now that doesn't buy you anything but like in the look at the difference between the end of the city game everybody's written us off outside inside the club so of course this this was hugely deflating had we not do, done this against villa i think you can basically say okay well all sorts of bets on the downside are open now all sorts of bets on the upside well one bet one primary bet on the upside is way open
1: yeah there's a there's a thing you'll hear people say all the time when it comes to high wire acts. And as a former high wire walker myself, you know, mm. this is the one piece of advice I always took. Don't look down. Mm. Don't look down. And it started to feel like we were looking down, right? Yeah. And, and you lose this game. Are they going to finish behind United? Are they going to make top four? Suddenly you're right back where you don't want to be. After a season of being title, not just contenders, at times maybe favorites, no one had the appetite for Let's just try to keep Champions League. I don't think the players could get up for that. I don't think the fans could get up for that. It would have been crushing. Even though it would have been by far a meeting of expectations going into the season, that's not how the world works. You don't want to be looking down. And so, Tim, I don't know if I'm overstating. Oh, Paul, you want to jump in on that real quick?
2: Yeah. So, do you still have your leotard from the tightrope walking?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I did it in an Elvis suit. You know, every, everyone chooses their own their own uh, <laughs> stuff because I did it in Vegas, obviously. Um, I don't know why I said that, but I just wanted to get the expression don't look down into the pod and now look at where we are. Uh, Tim, I guess like, I feel that this was existential in that respect, right? It it Mm -hmm. felt like 45 minutes that went from we're going to now get dragged into this looking down, worrying about staying top four is a collapse on narrative to, especially with the outcome of the city game, being right back there with the title in our hands. And it was always in our hands. Factually speaking, You know, it it wasn't that wasn't going to change, but I really do think that psychologically, this shift is immense for the players to be able to really take the bull by the horns in a title race, as opposed to starting to look down and think about where you know where the bottom might be.
3: A hundred percent, and one of my frustrations, particularly at halftime, I was thinking, like, how have you got into this? There's so much of the season to go. And like, how have you got yourselves into the mental space where you seem to just think this is over, or it's spiraling? Like, there's a long way to go. There's a lot of football to be played. We're like not even, we're not even two thirds, I think, through the season yet. Um, And it's like, like, come on, like it's February, like you can't let this happen to you in February. Otherwise, like you're really, really. Because I think the thing is, what we've gone through, maybe since the United game we've gone to that place where it's like, I think a lot of people started to believe after the United Mm -hmm. get like, you know, belief has been quietly growing, but I think after that United game and that late winner and that adrenaline burst, there's a, a, holy shit, we might do this. Like, I think we're going to do this. This is, and that, that, that became a very, very scary thought, I think. And I think it probably became a bit scary to the players because we crossed that threshold. Definitely. Where it's like, look, we we've gone we've gone past well actually fourth was kind of the aim so even if we like drop down to the like like we're in this race now And, and it's as simple as that. Like nothing else will suffice. Anything else is a disappointment. We have crossed that threshold now. And what we need to do is not only be comfortable about that, but be excited about it. That's what I really wanted to see from the players. What I wanted to see for the last few games. Like be excited about this. Be excited about the fact that. You're gonna feel a bit. You'll feel a bit crap if you're second at the end of the season. Depending on how it all unfolds, you feel a bit crap. If we finish like third or fourth, like it's gonna feel like a. I, I remember a lot of those Arsene Wenger seasons when we did finish third or fourth, and it felt rubbish, and the team got booed off, and no one stayed for like the end of season lap of appreciation and all that if Arsenal finish second at the end of this season that like everyone will stay for that lap of Mm -hmm. appreciation even even if they blow it even you know even if it's like lost in the most heartbreaking way possible just like they did last season when they blew it and lost it in the most heartbreaking way possible but if it spirals not going to happen and then you've got a potentially a long-term problem building into next season and like we had to shake this monkey off the back and I, I just really really hope and, and I think it's particularly val- valuable to have this week gap as well now to not have a midweek game this midweek and just be like mm-hmm. right clean slate guys this is the title race you're in a really really good position and by the way again like what happened to man city later in that day should build their belief even more like okay they're not got we we don't have to let them run away with it because they're not going to win every single game like i think that was very important for our belief as well so i really want them this week to be like right guys get comfortable with this every every match day every it like it could go either way, and just like get on the ro- roller coaster and relish it, basically. And yeah. and I, I think we enormously needed to consider this as something fun and exciting, and not as as a big kind of mill around our necks.
1: Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And I I think we'll we'll start to turn towards the actual game analysis, but I I think it's so important to look at it through that lens because. A season isn't just about the tactics. It isn't just about the talent. It is about the mentality. And this is a team trying to do someone no one expect, trying to do something no one expected. And when the reality hits, the reality bites sometimes. And I, I think that was happening. Now you look and you say, Gabriel Jesus isn't far away. And Thomas party's going to be available again. And Emil Smith Rowe was on the bench. And the team goes from strength to strength. And you know now, City's going to be playing twice a week. United, if you're even worried about them, are going to be playing twice a week, and they still have to go to Anfield and have to go to Brighton and have to go to City and are not City, um, Spurs and have to go to. They have another tough one, I think, that they go to as well. So, yeah, it's it certainly felt like a sea, ch- a sea change, a critical shift in where the where things were headed. But Paul, it didn't feel that way after the first half. I think the first half, unfortunately, just from a statistical standpoint, summarizes really what's been going on with us. 67% possession. Villa had nine final third passes. Nine. Okay? We had two shots and .14 expected goals. Two shots and .14 expected goals. Meanwhile, a long ball, and they get a great finish. A ball finds its way through Shaka's leg, gets dummied in the box, and it's a beautiful finish by Coutinho, and you're 2-1 down despite the the sack of screamer. And I just felt like the first half really was emblematic of what's been wrong with us. An ability to dominate possession and territory, but not an ability to turn that into dangerous possession. And the funny thing is, a lot of the players you'd stick the boot into in the first half wound up being hugely influential in the turnaround second half, where, by the way, we, I mean, the second half stats are outrageous. We had 18 shots in the second half. Five big chances. Okay. I mean, just a stunning number of big chances. And, I mean, let's say it. It just sounds like an Unai Emery second half with the lead. But I'm curious, from a first-half standpoint, do you have a diagnosis, really, for for what was going wrong other than just more of the same? So I didn't
2: really think it was more of the same. Uh, And I saw this as an outlier because I think we were just very – we didn't really show up in the first half. We had possession but it was in the midfield. What we weren't doing, we didn't have a fast start. We didn't stay attacking their third. Um, we got, generated nothing on the left, absolutely nothing with Trossard, Xhaka and Zinchenko. There was no movement there. The, the one bright spark was Jorginho, Odegaard and Saka, and a little bit of overlapping from White. And we created three, four good situations over on that side. But I just wonder if this was one of those games where you play city, uh, it was crushing, but we actually dominated the game and dominated the play and like you could, you can say, was that city's tactic?" But anyway, you come out of that game as arsenal, and there's city adapting to our game and uh, us at least in principle determining the play. and then you go to Villa and you expect it's going to be easy. Does't mean it's going to be an easy game and an easy result. but you expect? to be able to impose your play on them, and you suddenly show up and they're in the mood and they're kicking and they're running around and you're like, I think it's just one of those almost one of your trap games concepts now you always mm. tell me i don't know what a trap game is because i quote the wrong kind of game maybe this was <laughs> but there was this was an emotional trap game it's,
1: it's definitely not a trap game this is a Heads up, <laughs> but i'm not gonna i mean you're rolling so just keep going yeah, yeah.
2: but you can see how you will come into this and say oh that's really a bummer but at least we're playing villa and it could be tough but we'll out outplay- and you show up and they're in the mood And we're kind of not. And we're not making the runs. We're not making the passes. People have been sloppy. They're all starting to look at each other. Saliba's tracking with uh, Ollie Watkins, but not quite tight enough. He didn't make that mistake for the rest of the game. He's all over Watkins, bumping him as he's receiving the ball. Everything's just that little bit off. And the first half is just like, fuck purged that from the memory bases just because mm. not just because they did us like you look at their second goal it's emmy martinez rolling it up to some guy at the base of midfield they roll it we've got no screen uh their wing whoever's in the wing back position is unmarked nobody's near him. they roll it across our goal they could have played the exact same play with none of our players on the pitch we impacted nothing and everything was half a half a yard or a yard off everybody was in the area but not doing anything it was just off and like say what you like about us we generate intensity and maybe we don't capitalize it in general in the final third but we're blistering starts fc and we weren't that one of the tactical tweaks in this one was we play 75% of our kickouts we launch them and we launch mm-hmm. and we distribute through Ramsd- Ramsdale and it goes quite deep we didn't do any of that it, it was almost like we had Zinchenko and Jorginho dropping in to pick up the ball from the center backs or the goalkeeper and we played everything through there and that maybe that wasn't what we needed in that first half because we just struggled to build ahead of steam in the second half no problem game on we kept doing the same thing but now we're firing there's movement there's dynamism and that playing out from the back but when you're when you don't have that might have been the first half might have been one where you know what let's launch this thing up and press them because we really didn't do any pressing so it, we just struggled to get going in the first half and was it psychological like arteta talked very clearly look a disappointing loss against City. Uh, we come out here, they get a goal in the, in the first five minutes. It's 72 hours since we played. The guys are tired. They're kind of down a bit. It took a while for these guys to just wake up and wake up as a team.
1: Mm. And the interesting thing, Tim, is that like, we all hypothesize about the changes Arteta needed to make mm. to get the team working again. And he made a big call for a change, and that was Troussard for Martinelli. And the left-hand side did not look any different. (laughs) It did not look any better. It's not because Troussard's not a good player. I think fundamentally the dynamic on the left side is struggling. And there's a lot of people that are going to point to a lot of players still. I thought Zinchenko Mm -hmm. had one of his worst halves of football for us in the first half. Turns out to be a hero in the second. So that happened for a lot of the guys. I thought Granite Shaka continued to look like he he's less comfortable in that role. And especially Troussard. Troussard likes to come inside. Zinchenko likes to stand in the half space where an eight would stand. Where's Shaka supposed to go? And ironically, for their goal, um, for the, I think it's the Watkins goal. Yeah, it is. Um, Shaka started trying to make a forward run. Zinchenko was out on the touchline. You never see that layout. There was a reason you don't see it. Because when Zinchenko loses it, there's no one protecting the back area and Watkins runs (coughs) in on Saliba and it all goes from there. But so for the first half, I I think it's fair to say, and and they're going to be able to point to Eddie and Keddie as well, by the way, who I thought had a really poor Mm. first half. Mm -hmm. So now that we've seen the Troussard start thing and it didn't change the left-hand side, are you getting any closer to diagnosing that? Like, is this feel good win enough to say we're back, forget everything. Or is that first half enough to still have you saying, uh, we might still need to do some tweaks because we're not getting enough from that left side of the pitch.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, the the left side didn't didn't fire. Um, mm-hmm. It's fair to say. I so uh, but like Trossard comes on last week and scores. This week, Martinelli comes on and scores and gets an assist. And I do think there is something about um, the kind of the sixty. Five twenty-five split between the two of them and probably the guy that gets the 25 is going to look better that was certainly the case well to be fair Man City in the FA Cup they, they both played well Trossard and Martinelli um, but Martinelli looked really good coming off the bench and I think probably the reality is until we get Gabriel Jesus back that's what it's going to be like like the guy who gets the first 65 minutes is kind of just going to be you know he's going to be buttering the, the fullback up for for the other guy. So I, I think there definitely was a bit of that. The other thing, I, I have a slightly different take on the first half, which is like really, really um, in keeping with this game, which is very, very vibesy. I think when you've played midweek and then you go away for a twelve thirty on a Saturday. And I I watched the women's team do exactly the same thing just last week. They had a hard game on the Wednesday night. They went away for a 12.30 on a Saturday. They conceded in the fourth minute and the whole first half was a write-off. When you do that, I think basically you have to just survive the first 15 minutes because you're going to be a bit crap like I do think it's as simple as that. I don't. I, I never expected to see our usual fast start. I just don't think it happens for whatever reason, um, and it doesn't really happen for any team. So what you want in that first fifteen, you want it to be boring, basically at best. And we conceded, and that's like that's a hell of a hole to go in. And I think at the risk of this analysis just being um, they scored, we scored, they scored. That I think what happened just to be. Fair. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think the five minutes before we equalized, I thought we were well on top. I thought we had them well pinned back. It was mainly on the right. Um, that Saka Erdegaard partnership was really, really going. Was really motoring. When the equalizer came, you know, you get that feeling where you are like, I mm-hmm. think we're going to score in a minute. I think we're going to score in a minute. And when it happens, you go, yeah. I like that felt like it was coming. And so we did get back on top and And you're right though. Like the left side still wasn't really working and I'll come back to that in a minute. And then it's like, okay. And then you reset and you go, okay, games won all everything that's gone before right off the game's starting again, basically from now. So you, you don't like go straight back for the jugular. You almost play it like the get, like you're just kicking off again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fine. And then like, their second goal i think that's the worst we've defended ago. i can't remember seeing a goal we've conceded this season where i've just thought like like that might as well have been like mustafi Urzil standing there with his hands on his hips like abamyang looking pissed off by the corner flat. like it it just it had a really unpleasant vibe to me i can't explain it the whole goal i was just like they've passed that from front to back and not one of you has has really it's
2: so weird. We just haven't seen that with this team. It, exactly.
3: It felt yeah. like such a surprise. It felt I was just like God. I can't remember the last time we like. Obviously, we've conceded goals and we've conceded chances. And usually, like we conceded some big chances in the second half. But I'm all right with that because the reason they hit the bar with two minutes to go is because we had everyone forward trying to win it, and that is exactly what we should be doing. And right. yeah, like. Once in a while, you might get you might get you know you might get your jaw spun doing that. But this was like, what is this? And I think that just killed the mood again. And I think what was happening on the left side was basically the ball was just taking an age and tr- to get there. And Trossard was staying very wide. And actually, when we swung the ball over, like he was in space, and he was on my side in the first half, and I kept looking at him get like he's in space, he's in space. But it just took, particularly from. Xhaka to Trossard, that just took too long. That took same thing with Martinelli
1: in previous games. By the way, though, I I mean, there's so many times I'm like, you know, Martinelli is. Unmarked over there. Did you just yeah, the ball yeah. There?
3: And when you do the rewatch, I promise you watch. I think it happens in the first minute of the second half. How quickly the ball goes to Trossard. First thing that mm-hmm. happens. First time we get the ball out from the back is it might even have gone straight. For, it might have been Zinchenko. I forget who it was, but they whip it over to Trossard. And I was like, yeah, they've talked about that at halftime. They've definitely talked about that. So I think the first half was so, the whole game was very vibesy first half very very vibesy but the left side didn't work because the ball was just taking too long to get over there
2: and i think what we decided to do with the left side in the second half was even when it went out to trossard the go-to was to swing it back to the right so he did a few looping swings basically we used the left to recycle and to move the ball up the pitch quickly and to get it back to the Mm. we, we we leaned into attacking down the right-hand side in the second half. We just moved it more quickly from side to side.
1: Interesting point there. Uh, our leading passers in the first half were Saliba and Zinchenko. Mm. Our leading passers in the second half were Jorginho and Odegaard. And anytime when you're leading passers is Odegaard, you're going to have a better half, right? And I thought Odegaard, I mean, his miss aside, and we'll come on to it, I thought he was excellent in the second half. And you need that player to be influential for this attack to work. Um I do think Vieira came on and made a difference, and we'll talk about that as well. But, Paul, let's just spare a moment for poor Bugayo Saka, who, like, mm. is clearly one of the best players in the league. Scores another absolutely sensational goal. His strength to win Jorginho's scooped pass and create the goal mouse scramble that leads to the corner is the corner that Zinchenko scores. Um, but he's just being kicked to pieces. And I'm not trying to make this a refereeing conversation. Boring. We've been there. We've done that. It. It's more just there's no protection for this player at all. And I don't, I'm not saying you got to like, you can't just send guys off for little nibbles at his ankle, but we've seen this with Arsenal players. We've seen players be run right out of the league. Um, and I, I just, I can't help, but watch the way he's treated and think that it, it it could be handled better. I thought this was another masterful performance from Saka, in the sense that he took the abuse, he rode the challenges, he stayed in the game, he didn't shy away from it. it you know, when you kick him, he doesn't disappear. He scores the the great goal, and I just thought his strength, getting onto balls in their half and keeping us in good position to create danger was was magnificent. He's just he's just fantastic.
2: Yeah, he's fantastic, and he certainly had a period in this game where he was basically limping. I think on their second goal, Arteta called out that basically Saka was injured for that goal, which explains why mm-hmm. we'd no screen, why they played it through the center of us, why there was a basically a wing back standing on his own with White wondering which one of these three bastards is he's going to cover it and why White gets done on his on his uh his inside. Um so There's a few extenuating circumstances, but it still fits in with the first half in which we didn't seem to lay a glove on them. Uh, But they certainly kicked the shit out of Saka. But I'm probably the wrong guy to ask on this because I have a very different take because I've been, you know, there's a guy I follow who's really good on Liverpool and he saw this game and like, you can't look at this and, and not like be worried for Saka and be angry and frustrated that they're kicking the shit out of him. But when you've got a player as good as Saka, that's just how it is. If you watch YouTube highlights and type in Messi getting kicked or Maradona getting kicked, it shouldn't be. But you can only control what's in your control. And Arteta was asked yeah, but about this. We're talking
1: this. about a much better player here. So I think it's slightly That's different.
2: fair. That is fair. Um, and And he's our player. And uh, Arteta was asked about it in the presser afterwards, and that's interesting. Again, not so much the words, but how they're said. And he basically says, eh, uh, "If you're good, he basically says to Saka, you just got to get used to that's what's going to happen to you when you are that good. That's just the way it is. It doesn't matter if you're. But
1: if you do give yellows for yellow, like, like, let's go back to Wednesday. If yeah. Bernardo Silva gets yellows for cynical challenges earlier. Mm -hmm. You can't kick the crap out of him as much as like it just changes things. And I do think that sending a different person to go kick him, referees can say, hey, one, two, three, four, five. You know what I'm picking you? You're getting the the yellow card like you can. We have seen that done. And for some reason, it does not happen with him. And I hate to play the tribalism card, but like I've seen Harry Kane, you know, get defenders on a yellow for. Deigning to tackle him. Like it just it does feel like so and I think, I, I think it's because he's the sweet, nice boy who rode the inflatable unicorn. Like there's something about his persona. That's why I love the flashpoint with Coutinho I think it's the first time I've really seen Saka get up and go after someone. And I like that because he he can't continue to just be the sweet little boy that, you know, who, who was it? One of the one of the players interviewed. Oh, if my sister brought him home, I'd be so happy. Like, nah, screw that. Yeah. He's one of the best players in the league. He needs to be refereed that way. You know? Uh,
2: so like, all right, I'm only halfway there. So the other half of this is... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> look, Saka steps on Moreno's ankle on 38 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. This is a battle. And while you make absolutely valid points, you're really asking for ref- for football to be refereed differently than it has mm. been for decades and beyond. I mean, it used to be far more vicious. This is the good version of it. So the yeah, guy follows the Liverpool supporter. He said... He, like and he's not partisan in that sense. He says, that's the shit that happens to Salah every week. Mm. If you're a wing, if you're that kind of attacking winger that all the play goes around, I'm sorry, you're just gonna get kicked. And what was Arteta's reaction? He basically said, I'm sorry, he's just gonna get kicked. Now that's that's a whole different discussion to should he be, should we work the referees? But as supporters, there's no point like we can't get super precious we should do the things you can do as arsenal football club he said we will reach reach out to them if we see something inappropriate in brackets he didn't see anything appropriate this is football he's going to get kicked uh saka has basically never been injured he's always been kicked so we have two things going on we're like oh my god he might he might damage himself well uh he takes a good kicking that's the bad news and this is what it's going to be and we can't be precious about it and i think what Arteta's is trying to say to him and the team in general is a kind of a stoic robustness which is guys let's let's just focus on being so good that they want to kick you this is what it is you control what you can control this is football the boy's going to get kicked all the time
1: yeah no that's that's fair
3: and I think Arteta's very, very keen not to build like a victim complex for the team or the player. Yeah. yeah. Basically, That's very I'm, I'm sure in private he's seething like the rest of us, but publicly and to the player, he wants to present that kind of, you know, don't be a victim um, type thing. And I, and I get that. I totally get that. I
2: got I it um, sir. So I think Harry Kane's a really interesting one, Elliot, because I think he's just playing a different game, which is he's playing the common foul me and give me a free kick because I want free kicks. And Saka is playing a totally different game. He doesn't want free kicks on the touchline where Harry Kane isn't. Harry Kane's central. So it's yeah. very different.
1: He wants and, the foul on the edge of the area. Saka yeah. wants to carry the ball into the area from the touchline. He doesn't want a free kick at the halfway line. Messi but, does not go
2: down for free kicks because they're not – he's going to hurt you far more in the, his next yeah. phase of play. No, so story. there's a different yeah. thing going on there, I think.
1: I, I think – I do think that there are yellow card fouls that aren't given to Saka, for but sure. they, of course I do. I'm an Arsenal yeah. fan. I think like Bruno – like I said, uh, uh, Bernardo, uh, Bernardo Silva on on – Wednesday was a good example, but anyway, it's beside the point. Um, Tim, I'm going to give you the hard question here, I think. And and then we're going to turn the ship to the second half and go over all the (coughs) stuff that went really well and and all the things to smile about again as we started with. But I have this as another game that was a little bit of a difficult one for both Eddie and Shaka. Now, Mm -hmm. the irony is, Eddie brilliantly brilliantly presses and steals on 76 minutes, cuts it back to Odegaard. And if that goes in, you say, wow, how did Eddie have the gas in the tank 76 minutes in to make that press, to make that steal, to make that pass. It's perfectly executed. And by the way, his header, it's a phenomenal leap. It's the one, um, it's on 56 minutes. It's the one off the bar. He leaps beautiful. I mean, he hangs in the air. I don't think he can do much more than that. So I, I want to be cognizant, but I was looking at his stats and this is pretty wild. Eddie Nketiah, in terms of his expected goals per 90, is right there with Jesus. I think he's a little higher even. His expected assists per 90, 0.03. Jesus, I think, is like 0.21 or something. He's one of the best forwards at it. And by the way, scoring goals matters. And when Eddie scores goals, we all shut up and no one cares. And by the way, he had a massive assist opportunity in this game, so don't get me wrong. But I still do think, functionally as an attack in linking play, having a focal point to shift the point of attack. One, two's on the edge of the area. It's not a strong suit, and, it, and, and right. that's fair. The difference, though, is Eddie is the backup striker, doing the best he can in his way. Granite Chaka is the starting left eight. So there's slightly different conversations, because the question is, should our backup striker be better, or should we shift our backup striker? Well, our starting is about to get fit again. The question of the left eight, I think, is a more pressing one in the sense, because you do have a 30-year-old player, Playing every three days in a position that's not necessarily natural to him and and maybe a little redundantly, if that's a word, with the guy playing left back who's standing in a lot of positions that he wants to stand in. So I'm curious both with Eddie and Chaka, if you see those as the next areas the manager might cast his eye on it's I mean it's wild Eddie is playing 90 minutes every game. it's a lot of football for him, but Vieira is coming on for Shaka. And that at least tells you that the manager sees when I need a goal, if I need a little more attacking intent, that's a swap in my mind. I just wonder if that's a swap that might be in his mind as a swap from the start. Um, and I'm curious how you see those two positions playing out at mm-hmm. least over the next few weeks.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, like you say, it, it keeps happening now. Jacker um, mm-hmm. coming off, and and that's what was happening with Trossard and Martinelli. And sure enough, yep. Trossard starts this game, so it, it, you can see the third game
1: running right for the Vieira Jacker swap. I think. Yeah,
3: third yeah, exactly. So you can see the kind of the cogs turning there. Definitely, I, like I think Jacker is, um, you know. Um, suffering with a lack of Gabriel Jesus probably as much as Martinelli has been, that whole left side doesn't work quite as well. And, you know, like the Zinchenko Xhaka thing, that worked fine earlier in the season. It was fine that Zhaka was just ahead of Zinchenko. And, you know, I guess one of the things I've been wondering recently is like, oh, Zinchenko's having like over a hundred touches per ninety. And it's like, that's 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 a lot. Is that like too much? Is it is it like but then is it just because those are the areas where opponents are letting us have the ball now because they're just defending their penalty area. So I, you know, my thinking was, is Zinchenko becoming too big a figure in this team? Or is that just like, because he's like that. His the whole point of Zinchenko is he goes into spaces. He goes into the, the places and provides overload. So of course, like he's always going to be dominant. And when, when we, gave Spurs a good old chewing, like Zinchenko had like 90 old touches or whatever. So Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about that and it's been a bit chicken or egg like the Xhaka thing. Yeah, that's, that's, that's got to be prime for, at some point but again maybe maybe in the manager's mind it's becoming more of a 65 25 70 20 thing like Mm -hmm. I want to start Xhaka there because I want to start with that structure and someone who knows the position and and if I need a goal yeah that's that's a switch I'll make like maybe he's happy with that on that basis with Eddie I mean the thing is like (laughs) <laughs> we, we. I mean, we've had this. We had this conversation before he even came into the team. We all kind of knew what was going to happen. My, my concern more with Eddie is actually like, I mean, he hasn't scored since that United game, and and there is a sense to which Eddie really has to score um, to be of 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 ultra value. And actually, he had. To, I mean, like you say, I think the header that is a self made chance. You're right. Like he's fight, like. Villa's defense is very, very big. Like he's getting up a get ahead of like guys like Tyrone Mings this, and yeah. uh, was Conza playing for them in this? Get- like they, they've got big center backs, and he that was desire. And and but that's the thing. I I, I definitely don't worry about Eddie in there. I do not worry when the cross comes into the box or whatever. He'll attack it. He'll be there. But but it is a bit more like. You're right in terms of like his XG per ninety is is really high, but he's not scoring. So like that that chance he has at two two I'd usually The one
1: where Odegaard plays him through?
3: Yeah, yeah. Man, I'd that's usually a great ball.
1: His touch takes him a little too wide, right? Like he, exactly. he wants to go around the defender and it's not on. It's, it's,
3: yeah, and, and actually like like strikers are definitely taught to do that, like go across the defender, because mm-hmm. then they can't touch you, and if they do, they're off right. kind of thing. But he just didn't get that touch right. And that that's more when I cause all of the all of the other stuff that had that doesn't happen with Eddie, I kind of know about. But it's like when he doesn't finish and that he's had some big chances in the last couple of games that he hasn't finished, that kind of worries me more. Not because the other stuff's not important. It is. And I think we really miss Gabriel Jesus and I can't wait for him to come back. But I I, I guess I worry a little bit more when Eddie's not burying the chances. Um, and, and in this game, you know, he has two quite... Like, having done so well to win that header, he'll be disappointed... Um, not to have scored it and that other chance you would definitely be diff- disappointed not to score so it's kind of like if you're gonna just basically be in the center you've got to score like you've got to score yeah. and and like it, yeah
1: it's the age old issue in a way because last you know I, I can think of times when people were saying to myself we need Aubameyang playing center forward why is Lacazette playing center forward the guy doesn't get in the box the guy doesn't score but what do you know Lacazette did a lot of other things in the center of the park that were absolutely essential to how our, our, our attack and possession functioned. Aubameyang would go nine touches in a game, right? But two of those touches might be a goal. And you have the same sort of Eddie conundrum because I think that there's more that we can get in the center of the park. But without his goals, we're not in the title race. So, you know, let's, let's try to keep it in perspective. And again, the difference between the Eddie conversation and the Shaka conversation is Eddie is the backup striker. A backup striker is going to give you some good games, some less good games. He's going to have games where you're like, wow, he could be the starter. I mean, we're not that far removed from people saying, does Jesus walk Does Jesus walk back into the team? Like, yeah, it turns out he does. But like, so so, there's going to be a little less evenness there. I think the, the starter, other thing yeah. you
2: add on Eddie is that he's played basically three games in a week. And he's never, 90 minutes, 95 yep. minutes, flogging your guts out, chasing games. He's never played this much football at that level. Agreed. And he's going to really enjoy a week off to recharge his batteries, and then maybe we'll see some of the, a, a goal yep. or two come back at that point. But
1: Yeah, word for Ramsdale, by the way, because I saw some people say he should have saved the Watkins goal. I Like, I just don't get that at all. Um, it's outside the radius of his body, and it's hit low and hard and early. Like, I think it's a great goal. Um, I don't think he can save either of them, but he sure as hell could get beaten by Leon Bailey and doesn't. That is a sensational save. And without that save, we're not celebrating uh, wildly when uh, Emmy Martinez heads in an own goal. So we're going to turn the ship and talk about a brilliant second half and some of the performances to really celebrate and where it leaves us going forward. But one of the things we need to talk about is how you watch the game. How do you watch match of the day? Finally, you want to watch match of the day, right? Well, if you're not in England, you can't. Because you can't watch matches a Day. Or if you want to watch U.S. Netflix or Australian Netflix, or you want to watch this, that, or the other thing. You know how you do it with a VPN. You should just be using a VPN. The fact is, with the way the internet is right now, you should be thinking about privacy. You should be thinking about you know, being secure on the internet. And you should be thinking about browsing in the region that you want to browse in. And the place to do that, the way to do that is with NordVPN. I have been using NordVPN for a very, very, very long time. Keeps what you browse private. Keeps where you browse private. You want to watch Match of the Day and you're not in the UK, or you want to watch US Netflix and you're not in the US, go for it. All you have to do is use NordVPN.com forward slash ArsenalVision, NordVPN.com forward slash ArsenalVision, and you get a huge discount on a two year plan and one month free. One of the things I love, you can use it on your computer, but they have an app, and the app is so easy. You literally just say what region you want to be in and it turns on. So, like, you can open the app, tap like London or tap Chicago or tap Australia or you know, tap wherever you want to be. And it browses like you're in that region. And it gives you full security, privacy, confidence in what you're browsing. There's also a lot of protection against virus threat, threat protection. If there's malware being downloaded to your device, um, intrusions from a website that you're visiting. There's just no reason right now to browse the internet without a VPN. Like it's crazy to, <laughs> to use the internet without a VPN. So go for it. NordVPN.com forward slash Arsenal Again, NordVPN dot com forward slash arsenal vision get two year plan uh, discount on two year plan one month free nordvpn dot com forward slash arsenal vision and i think you know by now that this pon- this podcast this pondscast what's a podcast this podcast is sponsored by better help better help isn't online therapy BetterHelp help is just therapy it just happens to be therapy that you can do online which means you can be paired with a therapist that meets your needs paired with a therapist that's a specialist in the area that you need help It means that you can do it camera on or off. It's flexible. It's affordable. It's entirely online. It's a wonderful service because it makes it easier, less friction, less of a challenge to do something that not enough people do. As someone who's done therapy, and I'm sure you're sick of hearing about it, it's crucial. It just is. I had to put my cat down. uh, Well, as I record this yesterday, by the time you're listening to this, maybe two days ago, but I had to put my cat down yesterday. His brother had died about six weeks ago. He went downhill after it. I've had those cats 18 years. That's most of my adult life. All, all, all of my adult life. I mean, <laughs> um, you know, gone and it, it's devastating. And you think I can handle it. I'm fine. And you just feel that knot, that knot inside you needing to be untied and therapy helps untie that knot. And like, of course you've got your partner, you've got your friends, you got people that care about you, but it's a therapist's job to work through these challenges with you. It doesn't have to be depression. It can be, but it could just be the challenges of life. So Do it now. Go to betterhelp.com. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash vision today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com. And I think it's, yeah, that's right. Slash vision. Betterhelp.com slash vision. That's betterhelp. Betterhelp.com slash vision. Do it now. Last but not least. I promise it's last. I also promise it's not least taking care of your body with Athletic Greens AG1. AG1 is 75, high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, adaptogens, probiotics. I mean, th- it's just all of it. Gut health, energy, anti-aging. You can wipe a, gum- a shelf full of vitamin gummies out of your home, save that money, save that nonsense that, I, I mean, I could tell you like, I use that stuff Didn't make a difference. AG1, I feel the difference in gut health, in energy, vitality. You're able to use it whatever your dietary habits because it's keto-friendly, paleo-friendly, vegan-friendly, dairy-free, nearly sugar-free, almost no sugar in it, put it in a cup of water, drink it in the morning, you're going to love it. It's less than $3 a day, which is basically a cup of coffee that you won't need. You can still have a cup of coffee, by the way, of course. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash vision. That's athleticgreens.com slash vision. Do it now, Tim. Is that enough of that? Indeed.
0: Nailed it! Whew.
1: Here we go. Back on track. It was... Quite the second half. Um, And there's so, so, so many components to the second half that I think were so extraordinary. But let's just talk Jorginho for a minute. Jorginho steps up and takes his goal beautifully. It's his goal. Let's call it. It's his goal. By the way, a lovely uh, cut in from Martinelli and picks him out beautifully with a nice pass. I thought Martinelli's cameo was great. I thought Vieira's cameo was great. We'll get to that. But, Tim, Jorginho is not doing the stuff off the ball Yet that Thomas Party does this is a complex system of positional football, and I don't think I don't think he totally totally gets it yet. But he's such an intelligent player, and you see the way he thinks his way around the pitch, the way he reads the game, and makes interceptions. But he had some beautiful passes in this game, and the yep. fact of the matter is, for a player who I think. We were sold from Chelsea fans to somewhat is, he's going to play a lot of square balls, he's going to go back to the defender a lot. I think you see that when the system is good and the players make the runs, he has the ability to play those vertical passes. I thought he was really, really good in this game again. Um, It's always going to be hard to warm to a Chelsea player, a long-time Chelsea player, potentially Chelsea legend even, I don't know, um, coming into your team in the middle of the season. But... We needed someone for when party wasn't available. Lo and behold, party isn't available. I don't know that anyone we would have bought in January would have come in and looked as at home doing what he's doing. So I I think huge credit to the club for pivoting to this because they could have done nothing. They mm-hmm. absolutely could have done nothing. And we wouldn't be where we are if we had done nothing, is my view. Um, how did you rate the Jorginho performance, uh, not just the beautiful strike to win the game?
3: Yeah, excellent. Genuinely excellent. and uh, and uh And I was saying that before the goal um I I thought he played really well against Man City I didn't go as big on it because no one really wants to hear after you've lost 3-1 about the defensive midfielder <laughs> um I, I I think you're right like the he was the one who was not passing the ball slowly um and he's he's got he showed a real nice variety of pass in this game they were spreading it out to the flanks. Uh, some lovely feet in tight
2: situations as well, like little shuffles just to get out of pressure. Even but on his goal, Tim. I mean, it's mm-hmm. him spinning around the box that pushes it to white who clips it in.
3: Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly. And there were there were loads of little examples like that. Just a little shuffle of the feet to get him away from people. But he had the, he had those passes wide um, as well. But he also that the sorry the the pass he had was that kind of. He's got that party disguised pass through the lines where his body opens out like he's going to whip it out to the right flank, but then he just like cuts it through the lines. There was loads of those as well. I, I thought he was absolutely superb, and I thought it was really, really telling how the players celebrated with him after that goal. Like, look, it's a ninety-fourth minute winning goal in a very important game. Like. Attila the Hun could have scored it, and like everyone would be all over him. But I, I do think it was really, really like. <clears throat> excuse me. I think I, I I think it really showed something the way everyone celebrated with him. That and Arteta talked this up afterwards about how he's come into the group and everyone really values him. And you know he was talking about he's really added a lot. And I don't think he was just talking about on the pitch because. He hadn't played that many minutes before this game, really. So, you know, it, I, I thought this was said a really, really... superpower
2: really, was making other players look better. Y- yes.
3: Yeah, yeah. Which is exactly what you want from someone in that position. And I, I'm just... I'm really, really pleased with this signing because even if you absent the Elneny injury, Jorginho's a lot better than Elneny, right? He does Elneny things, but to a much higher level. Like, as far as I'm concerned... It, it might have happened. It definitely happened because of the Elneny injury. But even if it's only for eighteen months, I, I suspect he'll he'll get that that plus one and it will actually be two and a half years. But like we've upgraded there, um, you know, regardless of party's absence or, or whatnot. And and I think what we're showing that we can do there is perhaps like protect party um a bit more, albeit he's he's already a very protected player because he doesn't really play cup games but I think there's you know there's the kind of there's the potential for rotation substitutions blah 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 like I think Jorginho is going to be a big player in this squad and that doesn't mean he's going to play 90 minutes of every game but I think he'll get minutes in most games one way or another and I think around the team around the club he's going to be a really really big player I really do and I yeah, I, I'm. I'm pleased he got that moment. I'm still kind of pleased it was a Martinez own goal because let's face it, that's that's kind of funnier. Um, Way better, but it <laughs> but it better. but it was nice to have that moment and 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 for the supporters as well. Like you say, it's difficult to warm to a guy who's been at Chelsea that long. But um, just to repeat something I tweeted, and this is absolutely true. When I was coming out the ground, there was a guy in a full leg brace on crutches and he was throwing his crutches up in the air chanting Jorginho's name and uh his was the name that got chanted um at the final whistle when everyone came over and you know that that's a that's a nice like okay we, you you've been accepted now type moment and and I felt he really deserved it on his on his whole performance
1: timmy certainly didn't look like an interloper in the celebrations right i mean nope everybody seemed so happy for him and i i think it's just beautiful yep mm-hmm. i, mean, I is was he, well, oh sorry is he really Tim, Tim a quick, chelsea
2: but... player though uh like i, I he's mean, really well, a not sorry napoli player you know what <laughs> i mean who was branded yeah, yeah. at chelsea and uh, you know they moved away from him he, he came back to it like we get him we wanted him for forever he's really that was a misunderstanding what? uh Silent,
1: Those years at Chelsea were just, well yada yada his years at Chelsea Tim did you, did you have something there sorry
2: uh, yeah yeah
3: I was gonna say like I, I, one of one of the it, it's kind of tragic but also funny go back and look at Willian's um, goal against West Brom which I think is his only goal for Arsenal it's hilarious because it's like during lockdown it's when the season's over it's when the game's over it's 2-1 and Willian clips one in the top corner and the, the, the camera cuts to the bench and Arteta like looks very very annoyed. <laughs> like he crosses oh, now his now arms do it. <laughs> as <laughs> if to say, "Yeah, cheers for that, mate." This, this <laughs> didn't feel like that. Put it that way.
1: Pretty sure he did. He score at Fulham. Didn't he have a blinder of a first? I mean, he had two against assists against oh, Fulham. Was, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Paul, setting aside Jorginho, I think you know the the substitutes made made an impact. Both Martinelli and Vieira. I I do want to say. I absolutely straight fucking love Martinelli celebrating before he scores. I, I just think this team needs that. I think we need to be the baddies sometimes. But if you watch that, let's let's not simplify this. First of all, the Vieira pass is brilliant. You know, I mean, it, you say, oh, he just has to hit it in a space. But, like, there's two guys. It's not a direct pass. He has to see Martinelli making the run. If you watch the burst from Martinelli to go back to front, Okay, he doesn't have to do anything hard to finish it. But that is a burst. And maybe that's because he hadn't been on the pitch 90 minutes, and maybe that's something to consider. But you know, Martinelli obviously scores a fun goal. I mean, it's not a massive impact. He does provide the quote unquote assist for Jorginho. I thought he looked good. But the Vieira, the Vieira involvement is interesting. I thought Vieira did inject a little bit of directness and tempo and and a a different dynamic in his cameo. What what do you think of those two as a sub? Um, You know, and do you expect Martinelli to come right back in at Leicester? Do you think Vieira might start? What do you you think of their appearance? Uh, Appearances?
2: Yeah, I think the two very interesting subs, when you contrast them with Trossard and Xhaka, um, I can see Vieira getting a lot of these 15, 20 minutes. The thing I still think is true of Xhaka, he had a bad game. Um, is that he's still a bit of a load-bearing wall on the left-hand side, because Odegaard, Saka, you know, you need somebody else whose eyes are firmly on who needs to drop back besides Jorginho to cover the counter, et cetera, et cetera. And, like, he's got good in-game, in-te- good in-game intelligence, knowing where to be, knowing where we should, when we need to push forward, when we need to... Now, we didn't see that in the first half. It was very static. I thought it was actually quite a bit better in the second half. Still not great. He still had a couple of heavy-footed moments. But Mm -hmm. when we were spinning the ball up through midfield, he had some really nice passes out to the right wing or up through. So he came into it a bit, and you could see the Xhaka game. But when we became so possession-dominant, like if we were battering them in the second half, there's no two ways about it. Oh, yeah. And that made all sorts of sense to get Vieira on. And that was – I've been waiting for Vieira. We've seen – glimpses of him or or whatever in terms of him looking like he's arrived and he's ready physically and like i thought he looked very athletic and fast and switched on and knew what we were looking to do and driving us forward and moving the ball quickly and i had suspected part of the reason vieira came on in the first couple of sub appearances recently is because he can smack one in from outside the box when we were struggling to create this this was a different gig. This wasn't like, bring him on late against City and hopefully he might spank one in that we maybe didn't feel we deserved at that point. Maybe we did against City at that point. But in this game, he was very much falling into the uh, Odegaard mirror, creating creating opportunities, uh, driving us forward. It wasn't just a, oh shit, we need to go from somewhere um, and pushed us on. I think the, so... He could start growing his his role and presence beyond, oh, we need to grab a goal later on. And then the Trossard one is really interesting in that I didn't think Trossard struggled in the way Martinelli has struggled recently. I th- I thought he had a much worse game than Mar- Martinelli has had for us in recent times. M- Martinelli has the threat to run past, in behind, etc. Mm. I, I didn't see that with Trossard. I, this it, this role of duplicate what Martinelli does doesn't really suit Trossard. I, I like him a lot, but he needs the ability to float in into the the middle lane uh, or into the left eight position, and like he needs much more movement from the other two guys he's playing with. Martinelli, unless you double up against him, is going to kill you, and he's going to run past you, and we'll put him in behind. And I think there's just a lot more threat on the left eight and you know okay he came in against tighter legs when the game was in a better state for us to attack but I definitely saw 65 minutes or whatever of Trossard getting nowhere but uh, in that far left role I'd much preferred to have Martinelli on the left it was interesting uh, in the presser again uh, again Arteta was right on it but somebody asked him uh, you know having dropped Martinelli for this and like Arteta's like, I didn't drop Martinelli. Mm. I'm like, he's played every game this season. He hasn't been dropped. He's played basically every minute. I've got the youngest front line uh, doing this stuff, 21 years old each. Like, he needed a
1: break. He's not not dropped, man. I I have to say, I I thought it was an interesting celebration for Martinelli when he scored, though, because he points to the back, you know, the name on the back of the shirt. He gave it the. Don't forget the name celebration. You know, just a little reminder, I'm still here. Um, which is good. Again, like the guys got so much attitude. You need attitude at the top level of the game. It's the same thing we're talking about with Saka. Let's not pretend these are nice boys. They're killers and they're out to get you. Um, Tim, I want to go through just a couple of moments and then I I do want to cover um another sub thing because uh Tommy came on for White again. I thought it was a bounce back game for White, except he does really, really poorly for their second goal. So, mm. well, let's just do that now, and we'll go to the moments. What's your take on, I thought I thought White had a better game, yep. but as I said, you cannot get beat inside that way. He gets drawn out to the touchline, then gets beaten inside. Yeah, he gambles, and, and it's a mistake. Otherwise, though, I thought he was much livelier on the ball. He's much more influential. So I have it as a bit of a bounce-back game for White, but to be fair, I thought Tomiyasu did really well when he came on, and he looks mm-hmm. like he's coming back into it now. That's rich, given that he was guilty of losing us the game against City, if you want to say it that way. So, do you have a thought on on right back? Because you could say White's been a bit ropey. Tomiyasu starts against City, and and it winds up blowing up in Mikel's face. But then he comes on and looks good after White had been pretty decent um, in this game. Where's Where's your head at on the on the right back yeah. situation right now?
3: I felt this was much more like the last couple of weeks. I've been looking at Ben White and, and it's been like, yeah, you know, not bad by any means, but not, not the level that I think he has been at all season. Mm. Um, whereas this, this, like on the second goal, he, he gambles and he gets it wrong. Like, I think a lot of the time he gambles and gets it right. Yep. And there is a part of me that's just willing to say, okay, all right, you got it wrong this time, but I know that one of the things that makes you really good is that you're proactive. You go and you try and step and you make the interception. Mm. I, I thought second half, again, he was down my side in the second half. I thought he was really strong second half and not least because Saka, Saka basically from about the 35th minute onwards was not was not right and you could tell with the way he tried to connect with some shots that he was wincing when he was doing it and he wouldn't he couldn't quite like the way he finishes that first goal we didn't see another shot like that because his ankle was was i think in a pretty bad place and i think ben white really took it down that side and when you look at the fact that I think Saka still had a very very good half Erdogan had a really good like again that right pod to me looked much much better when I mm. take this game over the over the whole thing I think we generated all of our threat in both halves down that side and Ben White was a really really big part of that and I think one of the things is as well I, I was in the lower tier um for this game so he was like much it was all much closer to me much I was right next to that touch line and Sometimes things really strike you when you're in the stadium about the size of a player or the shape of a player. And Ben White is like, it's kind of difficult to explain, but he's like the perfect build for a defender, for a footballer, actually, Mm -hmm. for an all-round footballer. Like he's really tall. And he's really lean as well. So he's got like, he's got that lovely, like, mixture of physicality and pace, but he's also got lovely soft feet as well. Like, I think sometimes you get immune to how good some of these players are in tight spaces. And that's Ben White to me. Like, The way he just like rolls the ball past players, the way he's able to keep it in tight situations and play those little one twos with Erdgaard and Saka and those little flicks and getting defenders off balance. He's so, so strong at that. And I think we really saw that again in this game. We saw that, you know, to borrow your word, Elliot, we saw that joy, I think, back mm-hmm. in his game. We felt even there was even one point in the second half where he tried it too much. He tried to roll the ball through someone's legs for a nutmeg and it didn't quite come off mm. and, but but there, I, I remember that was right in front of me and i was a bit like i should be angry about that but i'm actually quite pleased to see you doing that because that to me says that you're like you're you're in that space and yeah like look paul's just put it in the chat but like the the crosses were really good you know the cross that leads to the first goal. He's, he's got that really nice kind of stand-up um, kind of cross going for him. Was, was it his cross for Nketiah that hit the bar? I can't remember yeah. who crossed that. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: He also – didn't he play a really good ball between centre-back and full-back to – I want to say it was to Saka and and he could yes. – Saka hit the cross. I think he hit a low hard cross instead of pulling it back. and. Yes,
3: out, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just felt like we got that like slightly arrogant – Ben White back. I, I thought he was really good, but I think you're right. I think Tomiyasu made made a difference as well. When that sub first happened, I thought, "Well, I think Ben White's playing really well here." But Tomiyasu I think, if anything, was just able to give that. Okay, I can sprint at full tilt, um, yeah. and and maybe because it's seventy five minutes in, you can sprint at ninety five percent, and and so it was all fine.
1: Yeah, it's interesting too, guys. I feel like this has just been ignored. We had a World Cup. We had a World Cup in November and December. And we all knew it was going to be a big deal. And then it happened. And it was a big deal. And we act like it didn't happen. Think of the players that have struggled with form at some point in January and February. Would you say Saliba struggled with form? I'd say so. Ben White struggled with form, that's for sure. Would you say Granite Shaq has not looked as good at left eight? January, February? I think so. Would you say Martinelli had a bit of a dip in his form? Bar Saka, who is not human, are players that went away to the World Cup have come back not looking as good as they did before the World Cup. It's a huge disruption in the season. It's more games. It's a shift in mentality. It's a shift in preparation. Ben White, we know, went through something with the World Cup. We'll never know exactly what it is. He's, you know, He hasn't been at his imperious best. Like, it, it, not hugely surprising that a mid-season World Cup had an impact on the players that went away to the World Cup. And it's just not talked about. And I kind of find it bizarre. And I'm not using it as an excuse. It's not meant to be an excuse. It's just reality. Sometimes the reason you use something as an excuse is because it's a real thing that happened. You know what I mean, Paul? So like, I do kind of expect to see these players come back into form a bit. But I also think for some older players, we don't have many of them, but like a Shaka, Shaka has been an ever-present at Arsenal basically since he showed up. He plays 90 minutes every game. Most most games, like last season, I don't think he's sad at all. And then he comes back this season playing 90 minutes every game. And then he goes to a World Cup starting for his country. And then he comes back and has to start for Arsenal every three days. And he's 30. And it's like, what do you want from these players? They're not machines and we shouldn't treat them like they're machines. And it shouldn't actually be surprising that the pressure of a title challenge and playing every three days and having had a World Cup to go off to... Is maybe showing up in the form of some of these players. I, I, it's yeah. kind of surprising to me. We don't think about it that way or talk about it that much.
2: Yeah, I don't know if you had Saliba in your list, but okay, yeah. he was one of the first I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and like, it's not so much the minutes; it's the headspace, right? A couple of these players of didn't course. play that much, but it's like you, they keep changing your world, especially as a younger player, right? The going off to a World Cup is just going to be a huge deal. When we when we were heading into the World Cup and we were basically in pole position, everybody's saying, yeah, sure, fine. But, you know, once they come back from the World Cup, uh, it, it seemed to be like they thought Arsenal was the team that might get a little derailed by that because the youth, the this, the di- disruption just – and then you get like the fast start into the Christmas period then – you know we had a lot of games come and taken fast like everybody else and uh, it seemed like people were just set up for us to fade away and we continue the consistency we've kept i mean uh arteta had his thing about talking about clarity in terms of our ideas i think one of the things that's helped this team is we've talked about this before you could listen to us playing on the radio hearing the names called out and you would have an you, you could close your eyes and absolutely picture who's where on the pitch and who's doing what. You might not have a clue what the other team's up to, but you're gonna, you could get out a piece of paper and sketch within a yard or two where Martinelli's gonna be, where Saka's gonna be, where Odegaard's gonna be, where Party's gonna be, not on the pitch. Now, where mm. is gonna be. And, you know, Jorginho plays for Party, you know where he's gonna be on the pitch. And so, um, that's nice for us listening on the radio. It's perfect for a team coming back from the World Cup, knowing what their job is and knowing knowing themselves when they're, like if you have them playing a different game each, like did I play well? I don't know. Did I give the manager what he wanted? Well, if you're in uh, a tinker team, like Graham Potter team where he's asking you to do something different for Brighton or who knows what's going on at Chelsea every week, probably not that easy to work out whether you're playing well, unless your team's winning. At These These players all know when they're on or off the level, when they're on or off the fitness. There's such clarity about how we play. There's such a template. Okay, a little variation from opponent to opponent, game to game, three Mm. games in a week will throw you a little bit. But you have a very clear benchmark as to how you're doing. So does everybody in your team. So does the guy who's coming on for you at 70 minutes knows what you've been doing, what he needs to do to beat you, to supplement you, to complement what you've been doing. Um, I think the clarity of the way we play has been very helpful to this team, knowing where they're at and when they're falling off the pace. And like they come in the second half of this, everybody knows exactly what they weren't doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, and I don't think it's out of the question that we could start to see the team get a lot better as we get people back, but also as just that World Cup gets further in the rear view, and and they're more into the Arsenal training. I think it's just gonna. I think it'll start to come back. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but uh, we'll see. I I want to talk about set pieces with you, Tim, just for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, the one area where you really get to prepare for your opponent, but they get to prepare for you too, is set pieces, right? Because they can look at how you approach set pieces. I think a big hallmark of our excellent start to the season was being phenomenal on set pieces, both uh, attacking. And defensive set-piece, right? Offensive and defensive set-pieces. That has not been the case. Very much not the case in recent weeks. We conceded. Mm-hmm. I think our, our last three goals we conceded before City were on set-pieces. We hadn't been scoring from them. I thought this game was a nice return to some form there. Zinchenko's goal is from a nice short corner routine. We had two really good short corner routines, I think, in this game, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, yeah, um, yep. Yeah. Yep. Zinchenko's goal is brilliant, well taken, but it's a nice routine. I thought we defended corners well, too. I mean, 96th minute, they get a corner... You're thinking the worst, and it <laughs> winds up being the best. Um, but so do you have any thought on – and people are saying, you know, what happened? You know, Why are we doing these short corners, things like that? Well, for forever we were just going um, near post, right? Low and flat to the near post trying to get a flick on. It hasn't been working. Maybe teams sorted it out. Guess what? They have video. They can watch. They can figure out that's what we're trying to do and react to it. So we varied it a little bit. Um, I, I thought this was a bit of a return to form more defensively than an attack, but we did score for one. So on set pieces, your thought on – how we handled corners and, and set pieces generally? Yeah,
3: yeah, definitely. I think um, set pieces is one of those things where, like, there's, or at least there has been, so much variance over the years because you see, like, really nuts stuff, like, you know, someone will score ten from set pieces one season, then zero the next season, or something like that. Because, mm-hmm. as you're like, it's it's you know, set pieces are like, I mean, they're called set pieces, <laughs> they're like. Mm-hmm. They're they're very much the only part of the game that is like not that dynamic. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that has like a sense of choreograph to it. So, yeah, to have like a couple of new routines, great. I mean, obviously, we probably can't ever use them again. Now, that's that's <laughs> just you know when you see those really clever, like very unique free kicks or something like that.
1: Oh, what was the one in the World Cup? Was it? Oh, who was it? Um, oh, uh, it was N- a, Netherlands. Jets- yeah 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 to Beghorst wasn't it
3: yeah 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 Yeah, Netherlands in like the last minute to pull that off but it it like quite often when I see like a unique and it doesn't go in I think ah I feel so sorry for you because you probably put loads and loads of work into that and you can only do it once and it's got to go in (laughs) when you do it and so and yeah seeing that variance great but like this is where set piece coaches earn their corn right because can't use those again. Everyone's seen them. So you've got to keep coming up with new stuff. You've got to keep reinventing. And 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 that's where someone like Nicholas Jova will will really make their money. Because once people know you're good at them, um, then you'll keep going. But I, I think also what's interesting about this game is that, you know, a good a good like three of our goals. Are basically from the edge of the area. I mean, I guess Martin Ellis is as well, but I'm not gonna count that. But they're all like from the edge of the area. And we talked about <clears throat> on, on recent pods just the uptick in, in kind of not long range shooting, but that shooting from round the D. And again, a big part of that would be because we've been playing deep defenses, but I you know, I think like like Zinchenko's been Taking shots, and we've been talking about that, but those weren't shots he was taking earlier in the season and it, and it's again it's difficult to put like zinchenko doesn't strike me as someone who gets desperate um and so I do think that clearly they've been told not to take pot shots but like smart shots from the edge of the area where if you're playing a pack defense, like a shot is as good as a cross, right? Probably better because it's like you get a deflection somewhere, you might get a rebound. And one of the things, Hmm. if they've got nine of their players in the penalty area, I mean, yeah, your shot could get blocked, but if you get the, like the right elevation on it, it, it could deflect, it could go in, it could, come to one of your players, like it creates a little bit of chaos, probably more than a cross because a cross can just be headed out. uh, Or if a cross becomes deflected, I mean, what happens? It probably just flies out for a throw in or a corner or something. So, you know, Jorginho's shot, Zinchenko's shot, both from very, very similar areas hit in very similar ways. And I think both of those situations were manipulated where, the defence has gone right back, collapsed right back into the six yard box. And you can see Jorginho creep into that space. I don't know how choreographed that is. Maybe it's not. Maybe Jorginho's standing there going, oh, hang on. There's a load of space. But, you know, the fact that a couple of those goals came the same way is
2: it's not the lost same goal on me. Well, scored two, right? Yep. It was at the Spurs yep. game.
3: Yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We ha- You're right. We have seen it. We have seen it against those... Twice.
1: Hardy's done it twice.
3: Yeah, and-, and against Spurs, they said they worked on it because they were expecting Spurs to really sit back in numbers. And so having that kind of edge of the D kind of shot up your sleeve. And and by the way, when you got nine defenders in the way of the goalkeeper, maybe he sees it very late, you know, like that Zinchenko yeah. one from the corner. I mean, ideally, if that... If Emmy, you know, if that were my goalkeeper, I might ask some questions about why he doesn't get to that. But the answer is probably because he's got
2: you know he's got fifteen people in front of him. So the villa if, guy if is pulling up sweet. his sock. It's not it's not uh Tyrone Mings, it's the other fella, is actually bent over when we take it's not until Odegaard cuts it back that he looks up and says, Oh shit, I better get out there. Yeah. Um and he runs out. And
3: and that Zinchenko shot, it could have taken a deflection. It could have gone into the other corner and, you know, look, the likelihood is it just gets blocked or it goes out for another quarter, cor- But do you know what I mean? Like you yep. can build some pressure that way.
1: Um, it, it's funny. Cause we know we've heard Mikel talk about uh, influence from other sports and talking. He gets together and talks to coaches from other sports. There's a yep. basketball component to this, right? Shoot from range and crash the boards, right? What do you do? You, you shoot a deep three, send your big forwards in to crash the boards and try to get the offensive rebound, get a layup. Like, if teams are going to sit super duper deep, you're never going to work a clear opening because there's so many bodies in the way. But if you fire the ball in well, not just, you know, uh, hit and hope, but if you strike the ball hard and, and accurately from the edge of the box with that number of people crashing the, the box, there's a very good likelihood that it just winds up at the feet for someone to stab home. I've seen so many Manchester city goals scored that way over the years. Um, you can't walk it in if there's seven defenders in the box, but you can have it fall to the feet of one of your players. And when Jorginho takes that shot, I mean, hell, two of our players are offside and there are some people that are saying the goal should have been offside. I think it's ridiculous, but it's the point that, you know, if that deflects and falls to one of them, well, not one of the offside guys, but someone else, then it, then it, it could be a goal. A couple other moments I wanted to call out. One is Martinelli, by the way, vintage, vintage Martinelli. I think it was from a, a Villa corner saying he runs he dribbles the entire Villa team back to front. And Enkedia, I think, does not believe Martinelli's going to find a pass, so he's sort of on his heels. And Martinelli stabs a really nice through ball. And Enchetti is just on his heels. And it wasn't a great look for Nketiah. Now, to be fair, I didn't think Martinelli was going anywhere either. You do have to stay alive to that, but a beautiful— That was he, just sort of he vintage to Martinelli. Run,
2: hold his run to stop going offside. Yeah, and yeah, then he yeah. stopped. But I think if he'd been a little smarter, he would have slowed his run and anticipated Martinelli was going to have to wait a second to squeeze it through.
1: It's just vintage Martinelli. And like, I'm not I'm not using it to kill ketty I just thought it was a, a nice yeah. moment in the game. Um, but another big one, and Paul, this is where I think winning can also have an impact. When the team is being stressed and the team is losing, no one's going to feel more responsible for that than the captain, right? By By the way, speaking of captains, you got to love that Granite Shaka is in the huddle celebrating the winner, which is on the opposite side of the bench, which is where Shaka was supposed to be because he had been subbed off already. But he went full kit wanker and ran all the way over and huddled up with the team. And I love it. But Odegaard is the captain. He will be feeling the pressure. It maybe is showing a bit. I thought he was really good in the second half, but my goodness, that miss is bad. Either strike it first time into the goal because you have the whole goal to aim at, or take a touch even and pass it into the goal. It's. To me, that's the six inches between his ears, not the technical quality in his game. That is feeling the pressure. And I feel like this win may help him more than anybody. Because first of all, if we don't get the win, he will see that moment replayed in his head forever. Now he doesn't have to think about that moment again. And now he may not have to feel the responsibility to lift this team out of its slump as the captain. How important do you think this win could be for him in erasing that moment and letting him just get back to playing some football and not feeling like he has to find a way to drag this team out of the, out of the slump.
2: Yeah, that would have been horrible because this could have been the game we look back on as when we kind of, we stepped out of this, uh, uh, theoretical t- title race. Um, you could miss any shot is the problem. Uh, What we've seen with Odegaard, I think, in his early days was he saw himself as the creator. He didn't want to be necessarily in the spotlight. He didn't really get into the box that much. And obviously Arteta's been working on him and every other attacking midfielder or midfielder to say, we need goals from all of you. And he was much more aggressive there for quite a while, taking shots, uh, just to take shots at times and scoring a few goals. And I think his most natural state... Is as a creator and like unless he's thinking I need to take shots. Like if he'd been mentally in the space that it might need to be me, I need might need to be taking those shots from the edge of the box. I might need to bang it in. But I think it was in full creator mode and suddenly it's like, oh shit, it's me. Uh uh quick, where where's my uh where are my cojones? Let me strap mm-hmm. them on and bang it in the back of the net. I, I just don't think at the end of the day, he's ever going to be the most kind of, he ain't Bruno Fernandez in terms of his mentality, which is he'd like to score first and maybe assist just after that. He's, he wants to assist three times more than he scores. And every now and then he's going to find himself in front of goal and think gulp. Um, whereas if he's, if he's strapped them on, he's ready. Uh, it would have been, it would have been bad, but uh seasons, come down to moments and games. Um, To be fair, we had plenty of other chances to bury this game. We decided to leave it to make it much more exciting, much more memorable, leave it till added time. And uh, we banged in two goals in extra time. I think the second goal, on the one hand, you say, maybe no great significance. But I think in some ways it very much changes the mood of how you come out of this game and how the team feels that like they absolutely took the uh, Villa to the woodshed. Why did they leave it so late? They'll ask themselves. Arteta asked himself that. He's like, "We, we should have won this much earlier than that. And we really should have. We absolutely battered them in the second half.
3: Uh, Five
1: big chances. I,
3: yeah. I, I think that Erdegaard chance, I think it's too easy. Yeah. Um I, I think that's the issue. I get, I mean guarantee it. how can I guarantee you because we'll never see this timeline. If you put a villa defender in front of him, I bet he scores. I bet if he's got something to think about, like say Tyrone Mings is bearing down on him and he's got to steer it round it like I bet he scores in that scenario or he's running onto it and you know the ball drops to it. It's just like it. It's almost lit. It's not literally on a plate. There's no plate, but it's just literally like it's almost and, figuratively on a plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, and and you can see the thing unfolding where Eddie wins the ball, and from that moment on, you know what's happening. You're like, oh well, I've I've basically got an open goal here, and I think you kind of overthink in that, and you don't hit it instinctively, the, even if just for a millisecond, the enormity of it. Bears down. Do do you ever like? So I'm dyspraxic, right? So I get this a lot. Like, I'm walking up the stairs and I think to myself, like, that's an automatic action, right? But when you think about it, you're like, oh, hang on, one foot in front of the other. And you end up like stumbling or something Mm -hmm. because you think about it. Whereas if you just. It's like breathing. You ever thought about breathing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, like.
1: I'm breathing weird. Did I
0: yeah, breathe in? I yeah, out?
3: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> if, if you try and run the stairs two at a time, you'll do it in two seconds. But if you yeah. think about it, and, and I think it's just that. It's it's too easy, basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I I and I hope he gets many, many more too easy chances. <laughs> if I had no. to pick. Um yeah, and, and like I said, I just think winning the game the way we did, it takes all of that off. It look, this is going to be a very fun, relaxed week at Colney. And The club needed it. The players needed it. And that doesn't mean it's going to be easy at Leicester, although the one thing I will say is they might be the right kind of team for us because they carry a threat for sure, but man, they do not know how to mark and defend properly. Um, Now, I I get it. United's a slightly different team because United like to counter, and that's not really what we like to do. But Leicester are not a team that can set up to be organized. Um, They're going to score on us. I'll almost guarantee it, but I... I think we have a chance to score quite a few, provided that we execute in the box. And once again, you know, it really is the case. We're still doing a lot of the things right. It's execution in the box. And in the first half against Villa, they executed to perfection. Two moves that created two chances that scored two goals. And we really didn't execute to perfection. A lot of sloppiness around the box where we could have created chances and didn't. In the second half, we executed and even still missed some sitters, missed some open opportunities, still wound up getting the goals we needed. 4-2 is absolutely a representative scoreline, although who would have predicted it? Um, and oh, by the way, football's hard. Erling Holland missed sitters in the game against Forrest that, like, if Eddie did, he'd get slammed and by the way I do have to love the tribalism of football. I saw some tweets that are like when Erling Holland misses it, no one says anything, but if Eddie and Keddie missed these he'd be getting slated and I'm like, all right guys like hang that in the tribalism Louvre right because one guy's got twenty five goals in the league um but point taken uh, and we love Eddie because he's ours look let's leave it there. I think it's going to be a fun week of of hashtag content we'll do rewatches we'll do um, some other stuff that we have, I'm sure a SCAC will be back. We'll have a pod on Thursday and, um, a lot of announcements coming up as well. So a lot of good things to tell you about and another big game ahead at Leicester, one that I'm very, very excited for. So we'll leave it there. Uh, Clive will be on a podcast in the future. No doubt. Tim's on Twitter. So a stillminator. Thank you, Tim.
3: My pleasure as always.
1: That it was too easy. It was like the Odegaard <laughs> chance. I just, just kind
3: you nearly Martinezed it there.
1: <laughs> I did. I did. Pause on Twitter at positivemypants My Pants. Thank you, Paul. Woo-hoo. My name is Alex Smithy me on Twitter Yankee Gunner. We love you so so much, and we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 Lester New.